following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. Getting to heaven on a poor man's faith, or can a rich man get to heaven? That is a bit of a long and run-on title for a sermon. I promise it is not necessarily an indication of the length of this sermon. Dr. Palmer has shared with us during his sermon series on the parables of Christ that Jesus liked to use these stories to shake things up a bit. While teaching in the crowds of people, he would tell a story that would prick their consciences in the hopes of making them take a tough look at themselves. He sometimes aimed his stories at those in authority, the people who knew all the laws and made sure other people followed them. In the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees who loved money. In Luke 16:15, Jesus tells them, you are those who justify yourselves in the sight of others, but God knows your hearts. For what is prized by human beings is an abomination to God. It was common at that time for beggars to camp out at the gates or doorways of rich people in the hopes of mercy. The story of the poor man Lazarus is especially aimed at people who saw power and wealth and hoarded all they had. Lazarus was so hungry that he would have been happy with crumbs from the rich man's luxurious meals. Lazarus was sick with a disease that covered his body and sores that could not be hidden by his ragged clothes. The only comfort he ever got was when dogs would lick his sores. Although nothing is said about his beliefs or worthiness, I like to think that Lazarus, even as destitute as he was, had at least a sense of God's presence. He survived as well as he could near the door of a rich man's house. The rich man is not named in the scripture, but is often referred to as Dives, which is Latin for rich man. Dives had great wealth and dressed in purple robes as befitted his social station. Now old man Dives passed by Lazarus going in and out of his house every day. Not once did he notice Lazarus, unless it was with feelings of disgust or disdain. Perhaps the rich man thought Lazarus was so far down on the social scale that he was less than human and therefore unworthy of his attention and his daily busyness. <clears throat> Inevitably, both men died. Lazarus was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. With Abraham was a traditional term for a blessed condition in the afterlife. Dives, though he was buried in his fine clothes, was sent straight down to hell, where he was in constant torment from the flames. He was not blessed. When Dives looked up toward heaven and saw Lazarus by Abraham's side, he almost couldn't believe his eyes. After all, he had lived a good life, made all the right friends. He had wealth and influence. What went wrong? Still thinking himself far more worthy than Lazarus, he called up to Abraham, asking him to send Lazarus down to dip his finger in the water and wet Dives' parched lips to cool his agony. Abraham said no. In life, Dives had every comfort and desire fulfilled. 
He had his fine purple robes, the very best food, and he rubbed elbows with all the very best people. On the other hand, Lazarus had suffered throughout his life and never found any comfort, especially receiving no mercy while living on Dives' doorstep. Dives had all his fun in life. His party was over. Lazarus, on the other hand, had suffered so much in life that he was finally given comfort and peace after his death. There also was no passageway between heaven and hell. You just couldn't get there from here. Old man Dives didn't give up. He said, well, then would you at least send Lazarus to my father's house and warn my five brothers so they will not end up in this horrible place of torture? Abraham replied, nope, no, no way. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. But please, says Dives, if someone rises from the dead and goes to them, they will surely listen and turn from their heartless, decadent ways. Abraham's mind is not changed. He tells Dives that if they have not listened to Moses and the prophets, they will not listen to a man who rises from the dead. The Pharisee is considered wealth to be proof of a person's righteousness. Jesus startled them with this story in which a diseased beggar is rewarded and a rich man is punished. We also notice a bit of irony in Jesus' telling of this parable when he was on his way to Jerusalem. He was definitely aware that even after he had risen from the dead, many of the religious leaders would still not accept him as the Messiah. Many of us today and through generations past have misinterpreted this parable and other scriptures relating to wealth to reflect that money is the root of all evil. But listen to what is said in 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is a root of evil, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Do we become so obsessed with dreams of that spacious, magnificent McMansion that we lose sight of Jesus' directive to feed and care for his sheep? Money is not evil in itself. In fact, it's very hard to live without it. Money buys the necessities of life, like food and shelter. But we have a tendency to confuse needs and wants. Do we really need those classy new clothes when we have a closet full of classy outfits that we have barely worn? Do we really need that pretty sparkling new car when our not quite so shiny two-year-old car works perfectly well and gets us wherever we want to go? How might we use some of our extra money to help our neighbors feed their children a warm, healthy meal? One of my favorite hymns is number 434, Cuando el Pobre when the poor ones. I have not often heard it sung in church, possibly because it is pretty long, and the, also possibly because the rhythm of the music is a little bit different than what we're used to. But just listen to the first two verses and the refrain. When the poor ones who have nothing share with strangers, when the thirsty water give unto us all, when the crippled in their weakness strengthen others, then we know that God still goes that road with us. Then we know 
that God still goes that road with us. When at last all those who suffer find their comfort, when they hope, though even hope seems hopelessness, when we love, though hate at times seems all around us, then we know that God still goes that road with us. Then we know that God still goes that road with us. The rest of the verses are equally poignant. Look it up sometime. The issue here is that we, all of us, no matter what our station in life, are called by Jesus to share what we have, what we have been given to help our neighbors in need. In today's world, we have neighbors all across the earth. We are called to be Christ's light to a hurting, lost world. Consider the story of a little child who could often be found on a particular street corner begging for food. Even on cold days, she usually wore clothes that were thin and torn. This little child never seemed to be clean, and her eyes lacked that sparkle that we delight to see in a child's eyes. There was a young and wealthy businessman who passed the little girl on the sidewalk every day as he went from the parking lot to his office. He never really looked at the little child. Perhaps he even sidestepped a bit of a distance to avoid her. One particular day, he shared a delicious meal with his own children and his spouse at their well-equipped table. For some reason, the poor little child came into his thoughts. He expressed anger with God, and in his thoughts, he railed at God. How does this happen? Why haven't you done anything to help this little child? And in his heart of hearts, he heard God say, I have. I created you. Have we forgotten the laws that God gave us through Moses and the truths the prophets told? Do we sometimes ignore the lessons Jesus taught us to love and care for one another? Our faith is meant to be an active faith, one in which we are called to share with others the gifts that we have been given. With the grace and strength of Christ's perfect love, we can open ourselves to see through his eyes, to hear with his ears, and to open our hearts to live with the compassion of Christ. We can work toward healing the brokenness we find around us. We can let God's light shine through us to bring light into the dark places of the world. The poem, Spirit of 34th Street, by Peggy L. Shriver, gives an example of sharing what, whatever gifts we may have. Doors opened with a silent scream, like photographs of anguish. The subway paused, shed cargo, and raged on. She lurched aboard, sagged in a vacant seat, frail weight of her gray years, hunched with cold. Numb fingers plucked at rags, drawn close against raw misery. Knuckles cracked and swollen white, clutched into a plea for warmth. He, dark and lithe, swung down the aisle, taught, taught Jane's dancing rhythmically. With Latin grace, he sidled past her patient form. In one smooth gesture, disappeared through subway doors, leaving her in her lap like folded dove wings, his black leather gloves. In his first letter to Timothy, Paul warns his protege against being led astray by false teachers, those who pretend that living the good life, enjoying their wealth and frivolous ways, is just fine as long as they say they believe in Jesus. 
Paul reminds Timothy to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life. I don't believe there is anywhere in the Bible that tells Paul or Timothy or any of us that the way forward is without challenge. There may be messy or painful times along the journey, but the treasures we store in heaven will give us a life far richer than anything we store up here. The true richness of faith in Jesus Christ is found in the joy of sharing all that we have been given to bring hope into a world that we sometimes find hopeless. No raging storm, no frightening pandemic, no painful loss, no brutal war, no polarized and tangled political system can steal us away from God's gracious love. We are called to share with others in large and small ways, in whatever ways we can, the gifts that we have been given. So a poor man may have a better chance of getting to heaven because of his suffering here on earth. His faith in God's gracious love will make eternal life more certain. Can a rich man get to heaven? Of course he can. But he must remember to share the gifts he has been given. Just like old man Dives, or the young ruler we learn of in Luke 18, 18 through 30, who was saddened because he couldn't quite let go of his possessions to follow Christ. If we put our trust in wealth and human prestige, we don't really gain anything. What we do with the gifts we have been given is what is truly important. Our faith in a risen Savior gives us all the riches we could possibly need in this life and the next. Please pray with me. Creator God, beloved Savior, Holy Spirit, we praise you for the beauty of your creation we thank you for all the gifts you include in it, whether it be a brilliant sunrise or a glorious sunset, the hug of a child or the gentle touch of a comforting hand, a warm bowl of soup to fill the empty feeling of hunger, or the hands that help build a home. We thank you for family and friends who travel life's road with us. Lord, lead us. Help us see what you see, hear what you hear, and love as you love so that we might bring light and hope to a broken world. We ask that you be with all those people we hold in our hearts. Today, we especially pray for those who are healing or have been ill. Dr. Palmer, who is healing from hip surgery, and Joanne Maynard, who is in rehab after a long hospital stay. We pray for the people of Ukraine who are suffering so much in a brutal war, and for the people of Russia who are being drastically misguided by their leader. We are grateful for our connections with other churches in our United Methodist family and in our communities, for it is when we join together that we serve you best. Today we pray for the South Arlington United Methodist Church. May their faith and ministry bring others to your holy table. Guide us, Lord, as we do our best to live as you would have us live, sharing our gifts with others. Forgive us for putting our faith in wealth and power and other worldly things. Everything we need, you already give us. Help us store our riches in heaven as we journey into your kingdom of eternal life. Without you, we have nothing. With you, we have everything. 
Let us be your hands and feet as we live an act of faith filled, faith filled with love and compassion. All this we pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org.